Hello, and welcome to the Dad Jeans Podcast. My name is Didon, and along with my co-hosts, Brian and Harris, each episode will try to unpack, examine, and discuss the DNA of healthy fathering. While all three of us are fathers, the road to fatherhood has been different for each of us. It's our hope that those differences and the perspectives they bring will only add to the conversation. Thanks for listening. In this episode, we welcome Brian's sister, nationally syndicated radio personality, Tareen T.J. Jackson, to the pod. Together, we chat about some of the ways that Black women and girls are depicted in the media, how that impacts the way we're striving to raise our daughters, and some of the emotional investments that fathers can make to support our girls. But before we do all that, let's check in. My people, what's good? What's going on? What's going on? B, you look excited, man. What's going on? Why are you happy? I mean, for for, for many reasons, but since this is this is our check in, you know, it's, it it was it was a good week. Okay, uh, it was an interesting week. Nas had uh, another another great week at school, eating eating his lunch. Uh, but he's selective with with what he eats. He's 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 a carver, man. He's just eating all carbs. So whatever vegetables we send, he's just like, nah, I'm good. But you know, we're working with him on that. Uh, he had some highlights this, this, this week, um, okay. at school, uh, he did the calendar. So, you know, this kid was talking about clouds and talking about the days of the week. And so, uh, that, that was definitely, uh, definitely awesome. Uh, on the home front, you know, everybody's again, like I said last week, fully vaccinated. And so we are just looking forward to, to getting out a little bit, um, just to break up this, this normalcy or break up. Uh, what we've been used to. We went past the mall yesterday. Where? Uh, we didn't go. We went past it. And you would have <laughs> thought that it was January of 2020. It was packed. And I'm like, did y'all forget that we are in the middle of a pandemic? So everybody out there, just be safe um, and, and, and be aware. So other than that, I'm good, man. How about you? Uh, I'm good. I, it's funny. I'm smiling because I can relate to you talking about Nas and his carb phase. Ella went through her, I call it her orange crunchy phase, where everything she ate is goldfish, Cheetos, right? Cheese it, cheese crackers, Cheetos, Chico sticks. I was like, man, this kid's diet is destroyed. Uh, But no, I I can definitely relate, and I and I can attest that it will get better. It it will get better. I do have to ask you because, again, being being from California, I I can only imagine that our corner stores were different. I can only imagine what was in our stores were different. So I got to ask you, did you grow up with Chico sticks? So we did grow up with Chico sticks, but, but let me tell you about the corner store. Okay. It was a liquor store. So, oh, okay. And I didn't know that that wasn't normal until <laughs> I went to other places. Like the same place where you would get your crown, where you would get your Jack Daniels. That's where you would also get your now laters and Some Campbell's soup. <laughs> right. So like it was, yeah, you get a tamale. <laughs> Everything was the liquor store. And so when I would go out of town, you know, I, I might be like 13, 14 and say, yeah, where's the liquor store? People would look at me like, <laughs> looking at what's you the like, matter with what? you? <laughs> we reporting you and your mama. Right. So, yeah, man, it's, um, think things have been good. It's, it's an interesting time in a Bruner household. Um, now are the times where I have to kind of pivot from my original context, which was just raising Ella to be a happy, healthy kid, yeah. to now raising her, hopefully, to be a happy, healthy girl. Mm. So she just turned 10, and uh, now we're starting to have some very girl-centered, girl-specific conversations. Yeah, because that was my question. Like, how are you identifying the the difference? Oh, well, I'll tell you this. We went to get her dental checkup, okay, and the dentist said, Oh, um, almost all of her baby teeth are gone. I was like, okay, cool. And she said, just so you know, once a girl's baby teeth are all gone, you have about six months before her cycle starts. And I was like, wait, what? That's that was that, that was said at the dentist. This is the dentist. So you just went in for a teeth check and came out I'm, there with a life check. I'm like, listen, I expect you to give my daughter a sticker and, <laughs> and, a, some and a toothbrush, right? All this other stuff. <laughs> So, Had you crying in the waiting room? 
<laughs> Listen, bruh, I called her pediatrician. Yeah. Like, cause I was gonna tell on a dentist. I was like, yeah. this is what the dentist told me. And she said, she's like, yeah, that's a good dentist. And so mm. she said, you're lucky that you have advanced warning so you can prepare for the conversations. Ahead. Wow. And so, yeah, I'm in um, learning mode. So it, it'll be interesting. But, it's, it's, um, it's amazing how every day is in learning mode, right? Because I'm just thinking that it's dentist, 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 and then they 13. But it's like, nah, it's, y'all, you, you guys have been opening up the window into, yeah, this, this ride going to be different from Nas's. Yeah. Oh, very different. But, you know, so every every opportunity to get some expert opinions, um, I am taking because her mother is is just in denial. She's like, no, I'm not ready. So I'm not going to do it. I was like, I don't I don't think that's how it works. But, you know, so but but I'm, I'm excited, you know, because you got another another choice. No, that's true. It's just like, look, we better get down and get down. I mean, yeah, like you said, and, and real talk. The reality is, it if that happened and if she began that transition while we're all home during COVID, yeah, that might be a better situation than surprise while you're at school one day. So yeah. I mean, listen, that's all the great, that's all the silver lining I got. But I'm working, bro. I'm working. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So I know for those who are used to listening to us, you're missing Harris's voice already. Yes. Harris's daughter Nisia turned eight, and they are celebrating today. And so, yes, this is happy birthday, a, Nisia. Happy birthday! Your dad's priorities are all mixed up. He should be oh, here. Yes, he but, should. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's choosing peace. He's choosing exactly. Peace. It, which, amen to peace in the house. But uh, I am also excited because I think we have a great guest today that uh, will also bring a very different energy and um, will. Uh, we'll round out the show in a really cool way. So I'll, I'll let you talk a little more about that. Well, listen, like D said, this is um, an amazing guest that we have, someone that is near and dear to my heart, even though uh, we squabble uh, often, even though we be engaged in arguments occasionally. Um, she is my big sister. Um, but, you know, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm known as the big little brother. Um, but my, my sister will be joining us on the show today, but let me just kind of give you a little bit of information about this amazing and dynamic guest that we have, um, started her career in radio and I was fortunate enough to see it just birth into opportunities that allowed for her voice to become national and global, uh, her commitment to faith her commitment to family and her commitment to rounding out stories about the black community has been something that I've marveled in and at. And so I could only think of one guest that I wanted on this show to really center uh, women's appreciation month, but also someone that I see as a role model, not only for, for men, but a role model for, for girls and women in what it means to personify doors closing and opportunities coming by way of faith. And so I'm not going to continue to talk and big up my sister because she's probably going to say something crazy on here, which is going to make me regret all the nice stuff that I said. Um, but I do want to introduce uh, the, the, the dad jeans podcast world uh, to my big sister, uh, TJ, um, as she is known um, on, on the radio, but I'll let her tell a little bit more about her resume. And uh, TJ, thank you so much for joining the, the, the Dad Jeans crew. Welcome, welcome. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, I mean, I got to tell everybody, she has a radio voice. She talks like this all the time. She talks like this. Sometimes it just, I get what? mad. I said, hi, guys. That's all I said, Brian. Listen to how it sounds so nice. Y'all talk about I have a radio voice. She has a radio voice. But TJ, tell, tell, tell our listeners a little bit just about um, your, 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 your story and your journey into, into radio and broadcast journalism. I graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. I majored in broadcast journalism and public relations. As a little girl, I was really, really shy. I couldn't talk to anybody, but I always told my teachers that I was going to do the news one day. <laughs> and um, it ended up happening, actually. I, 
I started off as an intern in radio, worked my way up. I worked in radio for a couple of years before I ever got a paycheck. And then once I started, I ended up on the, I found a woman, the woman who hired me, actually, Kathy Brown. She told me she would teach me everything she knew about radio if I promised to reach back and teach another black woman everything I knew. When I started in radio, you only heard women on the radio in the midday, really, and then maybe as a sidekick in the morning. There was uh, It was very much so a male-dominated field. And my first air shift was a quiet storm. I was doing a love show. Yeah, she was. At, at night. <laughs> <laughs> the, the name of my show was Pillow Talk. Yeah, you know? like, so, is that Levert? <laughs> I, I had to get my sexy on at night. And then... And then the next job I had after that, I went from the doing the, the love show to the morning show. Now I got to wake up, you know. Yeah. So I did that for a while. I've done talk radio. I've worked. I've been program director. I've managed radio stations, uh, urban adult music. I also did a little bit of what they call martini, which is like Frank Sinatra. Um, I quit my job in. I worked in AM and FM radio in Milwaukee. I quit my job. Uh, one day without a, another job in sight, but I was stressed out working seven days a week all day. And I traveled to Dallas, Texas. I figured if it didn't work, I would go home. I didn't do it until I prayed and fast about it. And I really talked a lot to God about it. I was very much so involved at church and I didn't want to make any hasteful decisions, but I, I came, my mom and dad supported me. I remember when I told our mom and dad that I wanted to go. And then I said, can y'all help me drive my car and all my stuff? They was like, are you serious? Cause I didn't have a job, but I found a job doing traffic. I was doing traffic on Steve Harvey's morning show. And I never even listened to the traffic on the radio before, but now here I am doing the traffic. <laughs> and long story short, I remember I needed more money. And I remember the day I said, okay, well, let me start looking for other jobs. And I actually got a couple of jobs. I got a job as a telemarketer. I got another job doing something else. And I quit like first day. I was like, I can't come back. So long story short, I remember the day I was driving home and I started praying and I said to God, you told me my gifts will make room for me. And you gave me these gifts. I need a job. I need money. And I think you allowed me to be here for a reason. That same day, when I got home, I looked on some of the same websites that I had already went on. And when I, But I went on this one particular site, and I saw two job opportunities. And I went for the lesser of the two. So there was an executive position executive producer and associate producer for a nationally syndicated uh, radio show. I didn't know much about what the show would be. And I went for it. And when I called uh, the woman that answered the phone, I knew her and we had this exchange. They were getting ready to hire someone. I came in and I had to go through a rigorous hiring process, interviewing process. And I ended up getting the job. One of the things when I called and I, and I inquired about it because it said no phone calls, please. But, you know, don't leave your life in the hands of a computer. So I said, okay, I'm going to call anyway. And she offered me a associate. I mean, she offered me the executive job. I was going for the associate. That's just a little mind thing that we might think, you know, lesser of ourselves at times. And I got the job. So now I'm the executive producer of a nationally syndicated show called Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell. Erica Campbell is Woo-hoo. a grand a Grammy Award winning gospel singer. You may have heard her, uh, Mary Mary. She's got a solo project as well. She's a solo artist as well. And I do the news and trending topics. I'm a part of the crew uh, there. And I also do a midday shift um, on in a few states, in a few cities, I should say, uh, where I do an inspirational show after I do the morning show as well. I tell you. That's awesome. There, there, there are mornings that I have driven Nas to daycare. And I tune in to Eric, wake up with Eric Campbell. And Nas would be in the back seat saying, that's my auntie. That's my really? auntie. So I've lived cool. in a variety of different places. And I've heard my sister's voice. And I've been like, I can't get away from this chick. Oh, my God. But I'm, I'm so proud of her. Um, just a real quick funny story. So when my sister was in, in Milwaukee working at the radio station, she, I, I would go up and, and just hang out with her in the studio. Just seeing all these buttons and lights and wanting to press buttons and lights. And I was like, you know, I, I ain't going to do it. But my sister would always be like, look, we got all of these rap CDs that we can't play on the radio. You can just go in and take them. So I would go in there literally 
and it would be just like a Best Buy music store. I would just take all of these CDs, but I never really noticed that they were clean versions of the CD. <laughs> now, I would, I, listen, I got the new DMX album. I was so geeked. I put it in my car, and you know, it was beep, beep, beep. I was like, look, I can't be taking music from my sister no more. So it's just, it's full circle. Our love uh, for music in the family, but also just seeing how, you know, sometimes through tough trials, uh, prayer is definitely uh, the way. So uh, thank you so much for for kicking it with us today. And so, D, as we do with all of our guests. All right. So before we before we jump into the question of the day, I just want to drop two quick things. Mm -hmm. One, I can't help but imagine a young Brian on a date and maybe it got hot and heavy and the girl said, let's, let's turn on the radio. And Brian was like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> just, just trust me. I, I got some edited DMX that we can listen to, but we're not listening to the radio. Yeah. Never, never. And, and the other funny. thing, TJ, I, I, the thing that really resonated in your story is that, is that you prayed over it, you fasted over it, but you still had to do the work to find a job. You know, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't pray and then I'm going to go sit and wait. Right. Um, and I think that sometimes, sometimes we forget that, that it's a, it's a team effort and we have to do our part. So, yeah. um, I, I think that your, that your story and your testimony were dope. Oh, um, thank you. So as we transition to the question of the day, um, and for those listening, I promise I didn't give Brian or his sister a, a heads up, but, um, since it's a, a, a family type day, it's a family type question. Okay. So the question of the day is, if you could go back in time to your childhood home and take one thing and have it today, what would it be? Like an item? Yep. And, and if you take it, it, it won't be missing from your childhood home. So you, you just take a clone of it. So if you took a picture, they, that, would still, that picture would still be there, but something that you could have today. Um, I'm first. Mm-hmm. Whoever, whoever's got an answer nope. can jump Stop, in. Stop, D. Yeah, you first. <laughs> if I could take one thing from my childhood home, that's an interesting question. From our childhood home? But I'm answering the question, so I'm it's just my saying, question. Just excluding me. I don't live there. Go ahead. Look, look man. Hey, maybe she took you. I- no, I didn't. Take you know what? It's called kidnapping. It's called kidnapping. <laughs> you know what? Now this this may sound crazy that I'm going to say this, but when I was a baby, my mom gave me a uh, like a piggy bank, okay. but it wasn't a piggy. It was an elephant, and it was like a Dumbo elephant, and it sat up on this. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And it had my name on the front. And actually, she yeah, it had a little message on the front. And I didn't know that I would grow up to become a Delta and collect elephants. Oh, that wow, was okay. the first elephant that I got. Mm. And I got it from my mom. And I had it all of my li- all of my childhood years of my life. And I have no clue what happened to it now. I remember I, I do remember that. Brian, is this where you that. tell your sister what happened to the elephant? Man, I kicked the thing downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is that. B, what do you got? Um, actually, it's funny because I got it right. It was my dad's okay. baseball glove, right? So nice. we talked about that, right? And my mom sent it to me for for my birthday, so or Christmas. So I got that. But to choose something else, I think I was in elementary school. You know, you have to sell candy bars. Mm. Uh, to get these these prizes that seem so far reaching, it's like sell nine thousand candy bars and you get a wallet, right? So uh, I actually sold some candy bars, but then on the low low, my dad took like the box of candy bars uh, to his job and and sold them for double. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't know that until I actually won the prize in my elementary school, which was this red and black Huffy BMX bike. Oh, word. Yeah, so... So you're the uh, one who got the bite. Man, you doggone right. And I'm sitting there like, I only sold 15 candy bars. I'm like, no, nah, but you got $700. So I would, I would love to be able to get that bike back. Because it was like, you know, the 80s style with the pegs on the back. 
yeah. you know, it was, it was, it was that. And I, you know, just remember putting a, a can. I wonder how many of y'all remember this. You put a can on a back wheel, and when you are riding, it sounds like a motorcycle. Yeah, it's got the click. <laughs> yeah, it got the click. So, uh, so yeah, I, I would like that. Okay. What about you, D? So, mine is going to sound real superficial compared to to y'all's, but there's no the the there's a lost art of leaving a good answer machine message. You know, you had to you had to have the right song playing at the right point where you would come in with your radio voice mm-hmm. and, and was, was so, it Silk? Was was that was listen, that your was that your background song? It was Jodeci come and talk to me. Lord. Yes. <laughs> and and, I, and and you gotta know I let too much of it play before I, I actually <laughs> people would be like, like, bro, I called to tell you your house is on fire. But exactly. forget it now. <laughs> I would love to just go back and get that old answer machine with the little tape and just so I could let Ella hear how much of a fool I was at 16, 17 when I knew I was the man with my Jodeci come and talk to me answer machine message. That's good. That is good. Now, would it have the small tape in it or was you fancy and it didn't, it didn't have a tape? No, no. I, clearly, I had the tape. But, and it was a replacement because I was one of those kids who got the stuff that my mom didn't want once she replaced it. Yeah. So the, the one before that had the two full-size tapes. But this one had just the little mini tape. See, that was, that, 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 was, that, was, that was doing something back in the day. Yeah, man. Listen, you couldn't tell me nothing. No. Nah. 794-2410. I still remember my Don't old be doing phone that because somebody got that number right now in El Paso or somewhere, and it's going to be like <laughs> deep. That's call good. Nah, call that him a message. <laughs> that, that, that is dope, man. That, that is dope. I would love to hear what Harris's answer would be. What would you <sighs> think? Something with Nina Simone. And yeah. Some sage. Sad. Yeah. Yeah, some sage. <laughs> some root. He he gonna be listening to this driving in his car with his family like, man, <laughs> I hate these fools. Even on my day off, they don't leave me alone. <laughs> Game on. Game on. But we love you, man. We love you. Absolutely. So as we jump into our topic, uh, one of the things that that we all have in common, both uh Brian Harris and myself, is that we're raising daughters. Um, not that how Brian is raising Nas won't be heavily impacted by the things we talk about today. But you know, when we when we have as fathers, when you think about your daughter in your mind's eye, there's certain things that you want to get right, you know, and there's certain things that we see through a different light once our daughters are born, unfortunately. Um, and one of those things is how women are depicted and how girls are depicted in the media. And so, uh, TJ, we thought you would be a perfect guest to, to help unpack that conversation, hold us to task and, um, you know, just, uh, Talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that we're learning and some of the things that we've learned along the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Women have been depicted for a long time, um, maybe not in the best light at all times. I think society has been hard on women, um, you know, whether or not she's heavier, but society accepts a man who has more weight than a woman who has more weight, uh, for whatever reason, you know, his big stomach doesn't matter, but hers does. But I think as far as images are concerned, we're, we're beginning right now to see, especially during the pandemic, more positive images of women or, uh, diverse images of women on television. If you think about Black Lives Matter, you think about things like the Crown Act, and how that has impacted people being more accepting of how women look naturally on television, whether or not she's darker skin, if she's African-American or a black woman, lighter skin, darker skin, natural hair, curly hair, permed hair, wigs, braids. It's beginning to be more accepted now. There was a time when you only saw a certain kind of look. You had to have a certain kind of look to fit a certain kind of mold. The one thing I want to talk a little bit about social media. Social media, when you think of um, photoshopping and, and, and pictures of what music and the misogyny and music and those images that it makes, it makes girls feel like, young girls feel like, I need to look like that in order to fit this. Or when you see a perfect shot on social media, you're not thinking about, well, it took her 5,000 takes and then she photoshopped it. And then she put, you know, the Mickey Mouse ears on it or whatever so she could look like that. It's a lot of pressure that is put on women to be accepted 
socially, publicly. And I think a lot of women may harbor that on the inside in a race to look the perfect way when there's no perfect body. There's no perfect hair length or a perfect hairstyle. I think we've made a lot of, uh, we've, we've gained a lot, but we still have a long way to go in being more accepting. Here in Dallas, where I live, there's a black woman on the news. She has natural hair. The station got all sorts of complaints about her hair to the radio station to the point where now she, she has a segment about hair. They didn't think that her hair was professional. They didn't think she should, she should wear her hair like that. They, and she's also shapely. So whether or not, if a woman is shapely, you know, does it have to be sexualized? Because if you're shapely, whatever you put on, you're going to be shapely, you know? So women too, we have to be more accepting. Like just because a woman is shapely and on television doesn't mean that I'm trying to be, Boom, pow. I just happen to be shaped that way. You know what? It, listening to you talk reminded me of a conversation I have with my daughter's mother. She's, she's uh, kind of in the media. She does uh, public relations work. Okay. And she, you know, she has to be very, very conservative with how she presents herself. Mm-hmm. But in the same space, like in the last four or five years, white women have straight been coloring their hair blue or pink, or purple. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about like punk rockers or people who are just in um, professions that, that might not be taken as seriously, but like executive white women, you see this on the news. And, and I think it's an incredible double standard because we're not just talking about particular hairstyles, but even pink or, or blue as a hair color. Right. It, just, it just doesn't seem to be as limiting to other women as it is particularly to black women. Yeah. Yeah. Hair, shape is a big, it's a big thing. And especially if you're in the media, when your viewers or your listeners don't like what you look like, they can verbalize that. And then it's up to the network on whether or not they say you can or can't do that. You know, nowadays they are opening up a little bit more where you can turn on the news. There's a man on Good Morning America who has locks. That was never heard of before. I haven't seen a woman with locks yet, but well, Whoopi Goldberg, but she's Whoopi Goldberg on The View. She you know, can do she whatever does she, wants what to she do. wants to do. You <laughs> know, do everybody can't, can't do that, you know. But right. you don't see a lot of women rocking their natural hair on, on television a lot lately, uh, a lot in general. But lately, it's starting to happen a little bit and a little bit more. And I think being able to turn on the TV, and to see a black woman with her natural hair, think about how that affects a little girl. Because yeah. if she if she has hair just like that, she's looking like, oh, wow, she looks like me. She doesn't know why she likes her. But little girls and little wow. boys do realize yeah. that that they are that they are different when they're not represented. And when you're not represented, you don't understand that you're still good. You're still cute. You're still beautiful. You're just, you just don't see images like yourself and little things like that do have an impact on young, young girls. I would say, and young boys too, because then we grow up thinking that I'm, my hair is supposed to be long and straight. I'm supposed to look like this when I don't look anything like that. Yeah, or yeah. as boys, this is what's attractive. This is who, right? This is who's valuable. Right. And I was, and I was just about to, to to say that because I think of my exposure to uh, images of women in snapshots. Right. Like I remember the 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 the, the, the I'll just call it the hip hop phase of the eighties, where it was empowerment. Right. So like when it was an X clan or when it was BDP. Right. And I remember the, the full figured, I think it was KRS's, uh, his, his wife at the time. I can't remember. Miss Melody. Her Melody. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> so I, I remember that. And then Queen Latifah and Moni Love. And then I remember like, boom, we had rump shaker rumps in a bump. Right. Where it was just like, it went from the black fist to now like a G mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and, and then that carried for a very long time. And essentially it still carries now because there's a template to rap videos. Right. Where we are seeing and talking about the same things. But I think about the impact that that that, that had and still has on me today in how I view how I engage 
and the residual negative impacts of what I have done in the past, what I have said, who I have dismissed, and who I have devalued by way of these standards of, of, of what has been thrown in front of me of what beauty needs to be. And so how, you know, TJ, if you could talk just a little bit to <clears throat> how can we somewhat deprogram ourselves from the consistent images that we are still seeing that you have to be thin, you have to be breast heavy, you have to be all of these things. When in actuality, that's poisoning the mind of many boys. And it's putting them in a position where women are seen as an object mm-hmm. versus being seen as full, equal beings. So let me start with adults. So I don't care how old you are. If you are constantly consuming something, it's going to affect you, whether it's a positive effect or a negative effect. So if I choose to, to watch a certain type of video, to consume a certain type of music, and that music is misogynistic, the videos are, the images like you just mentioned, Brian, are of, you know depicting women in a certain light. You can't tell me that after a while, some of that doesn't trickle into your own psyche, whether or not it's consciously or subconsciously in your viewpoint of women. And so then when you go outside and you see the girl next door and you are kind of remembering that song, you know, and for, for women to see that the same thing for women, especially younger women thinking, okay, well, these are the girls that the guys like. So that's the hot way to look, but that's not me. So maybe I should kind of do something different so that can be more so me. You think about kids. So then they grow up looking at these images. Now, mom and dad might say, it's just a song. It's just a song. I'm grown. I can listen to what I want to. But just like if if you're consuming things that uplift you and educate you all the time, you're going to be up educated and uplifted and enlightened and empowered. But if you are consuming things that are opposite of that, it's going to have an effect. So we can't tell our children, don't, you know, don't listen to this and don't do that when in the booth in the back in the dark, we're still doing it ourselves. And our kids are very intuitive. They know. They know what we're doing. So we have to lead by example and consciously say, I can, I have to rebuke, so to speak, this vision or this viewpoint and seeing women, all women from a sexual point of view. Because if I don't look at her as a sexual being, then I won't look at her, you know, when she walks by, maybe I won't say, hey, babe, you know, just grabbing her. You know, I think about all of the hashtag me too moments and I, 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 you I think in my mind that entertainment has played a big role in the minds of men. Now that might not be a popular situation for me, but I really do when it be, when it comes to just depictions of how women are sexualized and have been since probably the beginning of time in entertainment, on television, in movies, everywhere you look, sex sells. And usually it's the woman that's that's the one. They do have the men too, but it's a, I think it's a little different for women. You know, it. I remember the first time that I was, you know, playing one of my jams from back in the day for my daughter, and she said, "Daddy, why is that girl called Poison?" And I was like, "Ugh, okay, hmm. You know what? She's not Poison." But they said, "Yeah, let's just turn it off." And and that's when I realized, I mean, it's it's a challenge, but that's when I realized that, like you were saying, TJ, I don't, we can't hold space in two different, you know, you, you can't. Hard. Just, yeah. It's like hard. You, you think that you're, you're living a double life, but the yeah. kids are like, mm, I see it all. I, yeah, I see it all. Wall, <laughs> I see it all. Hey, I got to tell you this quick story with TJ growing up with the NWA tape in the crib, rapping and singing it. And my dad walk in. <laughs> it was, hey, did you ever see that tape again? I never saw it again. It was the, it was the greatest hits of NWA. And I was in the bathroom just, I knew every word to after police. And, you know, and but the, the, the learning point that I had in that moment, I remember sitting on the porch with my mom. 
she made me rap the whole song. Mm. And so then I was like, after police coming straight, she was like, that ain't what you was thinking. That ain't what you saying. Say what you said. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm just doing all the cussing yeah. with the song. And then after we li- after I recited all the words, she was like, now, why are you what what are they saying? And we talked about it. Why do you think they said it that way? And I was like, well, you know, because the police and the black people, you know, I knew what the song was saying. But, you know, it, it that that moment was a good moment for me. And my mom and, you know, understanding, she was trying to understand what the song was saying. And then just me, I was like, okay, this was really bad for me to be listening to it. Although I still wanted my, my cassette and that cassette mysteriously came up missing. Missing, missing. So I'm glad you actually, I'm glad that you spoke to our moms in like that teachable moment. I don't think we've ever had an opportunity as brother and sister where I've asked you this question. So I'm being, I'm taking a risk and being vulnerable, but has there ever been a moment <clears throat> in my life with my engagement with women that you frowned upon and you didn't call me out or have there been moments where I was the epitome of everything that I'm trying to change where it frustrated you. It made you sad. I would love to be, because I also think too, just as men, sometimes we have to have these moments where we're called out to be called in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of work that I still need to do. Um, but I want to be mindful that I am not projecting some of these images subconsciously to Nas and making it okay for baby girl. You know, <laughs> Dang, you got a response that quick? No, no, because actually, (laughs) because what I was going to say, no, 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 because I kind of don't. Because if it was something that would have been done that would have impacted me that negatively, I would have vocalized it in that moment. Mm. And it might have ended up in an argument and it might not, the point (laughs) might not have. So we probably had that argument and the point wasn't taken. Okay. You know, because sometimes we also have to, uh, give people grace when you, some guys might not understand that. Do you know, that's kind of like sexual harassment. They're like, Oh, is it? Because you might think that it's just a kind gesture where she is feeling like she has been violated, you know, and then how that exchange in the moment might not be the right exchange, you know? So Brian, I can't, I can't remember anything that stuck out because I think I would have had to push through to say, yo, dude, what's up with that? You know, Um, but we could have had that argument and I just don't remember. No, I I remember moments, right? Like I I, I remember moments, especially going to prom on a Friday with one girl. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. (laughs) And this dude went on a date the next day with somebody else that probably wore the same suit, matter of fact. Um, Dang, and I tell the story. No, no, go ahead. Ahead. no you get mad. Breeze, right? <laughs> <laughs> you getting real mad, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not I'm not getting mad at all. But when no. I at that at that I was I don't know how old I was, because I think I'm eight years, eight years older than you. But when I, I was like, so wait, he going to two proms like the same weekend? You know, I didn't see that, though, as a violation towards women. I saw that as you thought you was a player player. And since you could do it, you did it. You know, but, I didn't but, see that yeah. as disrespectful. But where did I get the images of, like, thinking that that was okay from? Right? I, we didn't, I didn't get it from dad. I didn't get it from mom. Right? Yeah. So when, when you think of the influence, and I don't want to make this about our family show, but when you think about the influence a large majority of that was what I was ingesting, you know, what I was seeing, what I was hearing. Um, you know, I'm not proud of that, but back then you couldn't tell me nothing. But, you know, would I want my daughter to be Saturday's date? Right. And knowing that he had a Friday date? No. And you know what? If it would have been a woman, a girl who did that, she would have been looked at in a totally different light. True. Like, how you going to go and what y'all do afterwards? And, you know, so while other guys would perceive that as being, dang, he's straight doing it. If a girl had done that, she, 
she all kind of such and such is, and you know, yeah. that's that's just for whatever reason, men can do the exact same thing that a woman can do in many situations, and it's received one way for the man and another way for the woman. That's real. One of the things that I was thinking about while while we were sitting here is fathers are the first person to show a little girl how a man is supposed to treat them. Fathers are the first person that should show love to a daughter, that should show her how a date is supposed to go, how a man is supposed to interact with her, approach her, talk to her, respect her, love her. That example comes from the dad. And sometimes we have situations where sometimes it's uncomfortable for men. Women, I think, are more vocal than men. Um, and girls need a lot of attention. And, you know, we got a lot of questions and it's like a lot of, you know, mushy feelings and all that kind of stuff. But being able to push through the uncomfortableness, if I can make up a word, and having those conversations with your daughters. And as far as images go, to always tell her. I remember, and this was this is a little bit off the topic. There was a woman that used to go to my church in Milwaukee. Every time I saw I thought she was beautiful. And every time I saw her, she said, hey, pretty girl. When I tell you, I would run to see her. So I, and I knew that she was going to say, hey, pretty girl. And I was an adult. <laughs> but it still, it still made me feel good because I looked at her as beautiful and she was calling me pretty. And it made me feel good. So, And that was just from a woman that was my mom and dad's friend to me. So thinking about a father telling their daughter, telling their sons, you're beautiful, uh, you're pretty. Oh, I just love your hair. It's so curly, so cute. You know, your skin, you know, things like that. Sometimes I don't think we may think about, I'm not a father, of course, but we may not think about how little things like that will impact her. So when she does run into that greatest hits of NWA tape, or when she does see the Grammys and Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion are doing the WAP at the Grammys, not the WAP, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, we're going back to the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it looked like they was doing the WAP, but it was a different version of the WAP. Uh, what does WAP know, stand for? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so when she does get into those situations, or even a situation where she's just being herself and a, and a man doesn't like her being herself. She remembers you train up a child in the way that they should go. When they're old, they will never depart from it. So she'll be like, no, my daddy told me I was pretty. You crazy. My daddy don't. My daddy said that a man's supposed to do this. You're supposed to open the door for me. And there's a lot of girls now who don't expect for a man to open the door for them, who don't expect to get a certain type of kind conversation who are very accepting of derogatory talk. I'm making up all kind of words, but I think, you know, <laughs> we know, we know, we know what we're talking about where, where, where I'm going. And I think yeah. because she hasn't gotten enough examples and reinforcement, you know, to say, you don't have to accept that because you deserve this. You know, it's good to hear you say that TJ, because I've been, I've been challenged because in this whole new generation of, of child rearing, you know, the books will say, don't emphasize aesthetics, you know, tell her that she's strong, tell her that she's a hard worker so that she will embody those things as it relates to her, herself. But, and, and so I, I was heavy on that, but I mm -hmm. understand the value of both because I need her to see herself as beautiful as much as I need her to see herself as a hard worker right. or a problem solver, you know? Um, and so, and that's one of those things that I didn't realize. Like what I tried to do is I'm going to de-emphasize hair. You know, I'm just, hair's not going to be anything. We're not even going to trip on it. Yeah. But she still goes to school mm -hmm. and she still comes back home. You know, I remember trying to do my daughter's hair and her being patient and handing me the barrettes as I'm, Cute. you know, tongue out the side of my mouth trying to get it in. And um, she came back from school that day 
And, um, you know, we were talking and she said, daddy, I don't want you to do my hair anymore. And I said, well, you know, we'll do it in the morning. She was like, no, I don't want you to do my hair mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it hurt my feelings until I realized, oh man, what must she have gone through at school for her to come back with that message, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, because... <laughs> I, I easily could have made it about me and my ego, but it was clearly about her. And, you know, and sometimes we can see that, other times we can't. It's, 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 that's so cute, and you to be commended for for doing that. Little, just like a grown woman likes her hair a certain way, mm. little girls would—I don't care how much hair they have—they want oh, yeah. their hair a certain way. And so, I, as a little girl, I had a whole lot of hair. I never liked my grandmother doing my hair because she gave me plaits with no barrettes and no rubber bands, just just straight. And I would, I, yeah, I didn't like it, you know, because I wanted bows and, you know, and I would tell, I would tell my mom, I want a ponytail here, and then I want this over here. Like I could tell her what I wanted my hair to look like. So, at, as a little girl, girls do know, yeah, I want my hair to look like this, and some of it is from what they see you know, from their cartoons or whatever they're consuming, or maybe even their, their friends at school. You know, B, you're at the beginning of your journey. Have you and Faiza had these conversations in terms of what messages you really want to play up or any messages that you want to play down? That's, that's a great question. And I also want to highlight you planting a seed very early, talking when you shared with me, your aunts, your mom, just showering Ella with just love, right? So that mm-hmm. immediately got me thinking about who will be in my daughter's sphere, right? Like who will be examples of the, the, the empowerment? Who will be examples of just direct? Who will be examples of, of all of these things that, you know, when you live apart from family and when you're really like newly relocated, it's hard, right? It's hard to navigate some of these things. But Faiza and I, we've talked a lot about just what will the road look like for Sadia and how will it be different from Nas? And one of the first moments that sticks out to me was being in a car without Nas and, and Faiz was pregnant. And I'm just listening to some hip hop. I don't remember what I was listening to, but Faiza turned to me and said, you know, when we have our daughter, you can't be playing this. And it clicked, right? It was just like, what messages? And it almost got me a little shook because I'm like, oh, she's in the, the baby's in the stomach. It might, yeah, I can't listen to this anymore. So we've had conversations about hair. We've had conversations about being intentional, about being around black women, right? We've had conversations about what are we showing our kids? And that's another tough thing because Sesame Street does a great job at having diversity. But other than that, there aren't too many children's shows that are out there. So it's a struggle. Um, and it's letting folks know that I need them now so that when it comes time, they'll be there. And, 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 and my sister is very, very intentional. Every time she talks to Savia, she says, hey, pretty girl. Right. Or she compliments her on, and you know, Sadi is two and a half months, but I see that. So it's a struggle because I'm like, how are we going to do her hair? How am I going to do her hair? Because her texture is going to be different from Pfizer's hair. It's going to be different from my hair. It's going to be a combination of both. So, you know, it's a little scary, um, but it's also exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also exciting. A really cool piece of advice that somebody gave me is, if you wait to start speaking life into your children to the time when you think they're listening, you're, you're too late. Too late. That's real. You know, so yeah, call her pretty girl before she understands it. So that just becomes part of her foundation. Yep. That, that becomes yeah. part of how she sees herself, yep. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to somebody coming in now that she understands to change whatever narrative may already be there. So no, I'm, I'm all for it. And, and what's the investment? You know what I mean? Speaking love into a child. That's, yeah. that's yeah. the standard anyway. I think, yeah. I think it, it's also important to make sure that if your living environment doesn't come with images that look like your daughter, that you make sure you put them in there, you yeah. know, have baby dolls, 
that look like your daughter, you know, books, pictures, things that, that you can place around the home that are just, you know, props in your house or whatever toys. So she can see those images that look like her. So if she does walk into a room and she doesn't see anybody that looks like her, she still feels, she still feels good about herself as opposed to why is everybody like that? And I'm I'm like this. this. Yeah. Right. When we um we we bought um a Kamala doll for for baby girl for many reasons right but but one is you know the blended family that we have and we were also gifted with a portrait of Kamala that we're going to have framed and, and we're going to put that in a room and so I I I appreciate you saying that because we have all probably been in spaces where we've been the only one. And that imposter syndrome can set in, right? That stereotype threat can sit, could set in. But I like how we're leaning towards like that positive affirmation, right? We're leaning into prayer. Like we're leaning into who's with around me can pour into me to let me know that I'm okay, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are so many voices as well as there are so many systems in place that make us feel that we're already not. You know, I think the common thread in, in, in what we're saying is intentionality. You know, um, when we made the transition from a D.C. public school to a private school, um, we knew there was going to be a very different makeup uh, of the student body. And so... Yeah, you reached out to me. We talked about that. Yeah. And and, and one of the things that we, you know, we can't change who she's going to school with, but I can choose her dance school. I can choose her Girl Scout troop, you know, and... It was always important to make sure that her community included tons of variations of African uh, African American women who are in leadership, who are in support, who are showing up in very different ways, so that however she ends up seeing herself, there will have been an example along the way. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and and a lot of times people say, "Oh, well, you know, we went to this school, okay." Okay, so that's the school, but you can choose these other things and you can choose your family. Like, hey, I need you to FaceTime my kid once a week at one o'clock. You know, we can have the standing meeting. You know, it might take a little longer or it might feel artificial, but it's an investment. Yeah. And I think our kids are used to communicating in such different ways these days that it can be integrated into what we're doing. Yeah, you're right. You know, um, I also thought about this. Um, another thing that fathers can do with their daughters is we think about women in the workplace. And while there are a lot of men that, that are professional and corporate and whatever, and say they, you know, they want women on their, their staffs and they, they love women. They usually don't pay women what they pay men. And in many cases, maybe the woman can even do the job better and has done the job better. But for whatever might, reason, might be doing the job. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Might be doing, yeah. Right. Might be doing the job. And for whatever reason, I know there's a certain day every year, they call it equal pay day, something like that, where, you know, the, this is how long a woman would have to have worked to get the, the salary that the man had already made when that year was up. But one of the things that men can do, like, I guess y'all talk, teach each other how to do it, is, negotiate a lot of men. I don't want to generalize, you know, so in your conversations with your daughter, showing her how to Mm. negotiate, how to go on to the job to, because sometimes girls or women go into those work settings and may not have the best negotiating skills. Mom may not have had good negotiating skills, so she really couldn't tell her. And dad probably didn't share with her the secrets to getting what you want on that job. Because if you hire in at this salary, when you get a raise, okay, you're going to still be close to that salary, you know? So you're setting the stage. And I think so when you think about how you have excelled in the workplace, taking those things and making it daughter friendly. So then she's empowered, you know, when she goes out into the professional world, whatever sector she's going in so that she can also have those natural abilities that you all have, you know, or learn to negotiate her, you know, for herself on a job. No, that makes perfect sense. And and staying in that same vein of of the collective effort, Brian, I'm curious, what if any 
different messages are you making sure to impart to Nas to, to make sure that the way he grows up is different than the way he would have grown up 10 years ago or even 20 years ago? Nas sees me in the kitchen and expects for me to be there. Like Nas sees me cooking and will then see my wife cooking and say, no, that's daddy's job. Right? So it's how can I be an image, but also how can I start to impart, right? Standards, um, ways of respect, ways to show validation and or ways to love. And so I'm very vocal with my love for Faiza. Say it around Nas. I want him to hear it, but I'm also showing him too, right? Um, I'm also making sure that I am being exp- vulnerable and, and being open as well as trying to be mindful of what he is pulling in, right? He, he's, he's not watching teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles right now. He's not watching Spider-Man, right? He's watching cartoons just about kids having fun, right? Because I don't want him to think that violence is okay um, because there's a certain point where black boys no longer are cute. They become threats, right? So it's like, I want him to be a child as much as possible. And so I don't think, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not close to having all the answers, but I am thinking of things that weren't done for me and making sure that I am asking folks so that they can help me. But I'm also making sure that there are some things that I've learned that I think are better than how I was taught. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've never told you this, um, but I remember a conversation that we had, and you told me about you and Nas in the garden. Yeah, and I've I've gardened with my mother. I, I've seen girls garden with their mom. Yeah, I've never in my life seen a father and a mm. son in a garden together. Yeah, farm, yeah, yeah. but 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 just. Gardening, so so I. Part of it is the message, yeah. But another part is roll up your sleeve, son. Help me with this. I was gonna say help me with this hoe, but hand me that shovel. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> now I'm gonna tell me. you to shut up, like my brother. <laughs> hand me the shovel in the hand. It wasn't me this show. It wasn't me this show. <laughs> we were going so well. Too. We were. We were. We were. Uh, um, now this has been dope, but TJ, I, w- I want you to have the last words. Um, I'm, I'm curious, what about the way that you see yourself? Um, can you directly contribute to your relationship with your father? Mm. That's interesting. My father talked a lot. He didn't necessarily reinforce the things that we've talked about today. Okay. So... I knew that my dad was proud of me. I knew that he's no longer with us. That's why I'm talking like this. I knew that I had a lot of his traits, personality traits, because I talk a lot. He talk a lot. He know a lot of people. I know a lot of people. He like music. I like music. And we spent a lot of time, most of our time on those things that we had in common. You know, um, there was, there was one conversation. This is a little personal, but I'll go ahead and say it. So when I was, I don't know, I might've been a teenager. I've always had a mustache, right? So what my mom would tell me about having a mustache, she said, the pretty girls have mustaches. (laughs) She did. And so, but usually what it was, was the girls that had a lot of hair, the longer hair, you got thick hair. I had bushy eyebrows, big hair, and I had a mustache. So my dad came home and one day he came in my room and he had a razor and he was like, I could tell it took a whole lot. And he gave me, he handed me this razor and he started telling me how to use it, you know, and I'm looking at him like, I ain't going to be shaving, you know? So we had, it was an awkward exchange, but it was, I never forgot. You know, that exchange. Now, my mom always addressed it the way she did because 
she knew she could see that I had this mustache. Everybody could, you know, but and when I would say things about it, then I was like, yeah. She was like, think about all the girls at school that had mustaches. I'm like, she is pretty. I'm like, oh. And I started going back to school saying, well, the pretty girls have mustaches. Cause so whatever, you ugly, you know, <laughs> you know, but that was a, a conversation that I had with my dad that I'll never forget because I knew it took a lot and it was, and I don't even know, you know, what made him do it, you know, but he thought he, he thought it was, it was a good thing to do. And it was a good conversation that I, that I had. I think I would also, you know, I, w- I think that is, it's good for men to push through the uncomfortable conversations. Um, you know, whether or not it's a girl that's about to come on her cycle or being more open to, you know, you know, like not shutting away, like it's a bad thing because every little girl is, is going to happen um, to her. Having those conversations about what the boy said um, with your daughter, like I could talk about. I went through a uh, engagement and a breakup, and I know my dad probably wanted to kill the dude, you know, <laughs> but it, he was very uh, supportive and listening, just listening, and then just. Hugged me while I cried. He kind of didn't know what to say because what he wanted to say, he probably didn't want to say to me, you know. But I <laughs> he think... was ready for some action, <laughs> right? He was you ready know. for some action. I remember that. I was in there like, I'm going back to college. <laughs> girls like to talk and talk a lot, and girls can be emotional and fathers to have patience for that and learn from their daughters on the way, you know, like how can I best communicate you know, with my daughter. And then also before we wrap, I just also um, like to say when we think about images that we see in media, entertainment, music videos, or what have you, how the uh, entertainment industry celebrates men who have a lot of women. Um, And then uh, I think that perpetuates a a certain kind of stigma in society where it's more acceptable. And women have also told me that, girl, all men cheat. You know that, right? You know, and like I'm and I said, I will never believe that, you know, uh, but, you know, thinking about when you celebrate your sons for having a lot of girls and then you tell your daughter she you don't want her to date. You know, the little things you do in your day to day with your children will grow, will impact them. And I'm and I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do, but that's another way that images in media and entertainment affect children, especially girls. So when you have an artist like a Cardi B and a Megan Thee Stallion who says, now I'm going to use this and I'm going to empower myself, you know, well, as I think that's because for so long, that was the norm for women. So she's like, well, y'all making money off of doing it. So I might as well do it. That doesn't make it right. I'm not going to say that makes it wrong, but I think it's, it's all stirred up into the same pot. It's complicated. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very complicated, but I, you hit on a, a bunch of nuggets in that as fathers, as black fathers, we are the first example of providing a foundation, even if we don't have all the answers, to, to listen, to advocate, and to love. And all that stuff, you don't necessarily have to be trained in knowing how to do those things. You just got to do them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just got to do them. And I, and I think to also add to that point, be aware of what images you are projecting of toxic masculinity as a father. Because that can also set the precedent on how your daughter could look at, well, my dad did it and I'm comfortable with it. So I need it in my life. And that's not necessarily. The, well, that's not the case. Not mm-hmm. the case. Good point. Good I commend point. you for having this uh, conversation for the podcast in, it, in itself, uh, an outlet for, you know, especially for men to come together and talk about being fathers. I think that's one thing that we don't do enough is just really have honest, open conversations with each other. And we've seen through this pandemic that we need each other uh, more than ever. You know, it's, it showed us we've learned a lot in this pandemic. And one one of the things is we're not in this world alone and we need other people to survive and to be able to connect with others is an awesome is an awesome opportunity. And so I thank you for having me today. And I just commend you on the job that you are doing on the Dad Jeans podcast. And I hope that you continue to bless a lot of men who need just information and conversation. 
That's that radio right there. See, that's, that's, look at that. Look at that. Listen, that's, that's the wrap-up. That that's is the wrap-up. Wrap we ain't got nothing else. We might as well just... She dropped the mic. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Real quick. TJ, for, for somebody who want, who who's loved what they've heard today and they want to hear more from you, more of you, and just want to get the the TJ experience, where where can they tune in? Where can they uh, connect with you? Um, On Facebook, I'm TJ Live. Instagram, TJ Live, DST, DST, Double Sigma Theta. Um, and if you go to the App Store and you get the Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell app, you can hear me on with the Get Up Mornings uh, crew in the mornings, Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 9, no, 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central. And then I'm also on uh, my show. It's called Praise with TJ. So I'm on Monday through Friday from nine till two on that same get up mornings with Erica Campbell app. That's the easiest way. This has been a blessing. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to get through a show TJ uh, and not argue um, as very rare, but it's also out of love. So I really thank you for just shining a light on a exposing me to some things that I didn't even know. Now I'm your baby brother. But also as a dad and recognizing the village that I am blessed to have and how not only Nas, but Sadia will grow up with just having positive role models um, to, 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 to look towards. And so uh, normally when we start our shows, we, we ask our guests for their, their six-word six memoir, but I think it would be fitting uh, to book in the conversation with your six-word memoir, letting us know a little bit about your mantra. Okay. That would be, my gifts make room for me. And I mentioned that a little bit earlier when we started. Uh, really, really quickly, uh, before God created you, he created your ending before your beginning. He knew who it would take to create you, to get you here. And he said, hmm, I need that person, those two people to come together to serve this, this to, to get to this final destination. And then he says, once I create her, I'm going to give you these talents so you can do those things. And all of us have things with inside, inside of us that we do well naturally. And if we take those things and we hone those skills, God said in his word that your gifts will make room for you. So no matter where you are in your life, if you use those God-given gifts and talents that God has given you, those gifts that he has given you, there will be a place in the corporate world, in the schoolhouse, wherever it is that you're supposed to be. Your purpose lies within those gifts and your gifts will always make room for you. Listen, there's not much else that we need to say. That was a perfect love way it. to wrap up this episode. And we love hearing from our listeners. First of all, again, TJ, we want to thank you. Um, but again, our, our, our audience and our community um, is what continues to give this show life. So um, if you have some, some feedback, positive and or indifferent, please reach out to us at info at dadjeanspodcast.com. Uh, we definitely want to hear from you all. And you can find us on Facebook, at Dad Jeans Podcast and on IG at Dad Jeans Podcast. As always, please provide us with five star ratings. Five Didon. stars. Five stars. Yes, and share you. with your peoples. Share with your peoples, um, especially uh, Black fathers as well. So we want to thank all of y'all. Stay safe during this pandemic. Make good choices. Continue to stay prayed up and to know that we all we got. So holla at your boy. Dad Gene signing out. Peace.